Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, just over a week ago, my, my uh, guys, yes, I'm still coaching. I've been doing it for almost six years now. And we won the championship, unlike Gonzaga. <laughs> and, um, but in order to do so, we we're up against a team. They had one kid who was 6'4", another one who was six foot tall, and then they had some real speed demons out on the perimeter. And, uh, but our guys were um, really excellent team players. No particular standouts, but they played well. They, they, uh, uh, they passed well. They rebounded. It's the first team I've ever had where the referee had to stop and wipe the sweat off the floor. Great bunch of kids. <laughs> but we won only by about five points, which means that I had some kids who watched the entire game. So you know what happened. I got a phone call from one of the moms. <laughs> and she said, but it's all about fun. I said, you know, there's a time in life where the cuts come. And sport is a meritocracy. And I play the kids as much as I possibly can, but it's also fun to win. And the kids on the bench are as much a part of the team as the kids on the floor. And they entered into that victory along with everyone else. But I love your kid and thank you for calling. <laughs> so, Jesus and the disciples are heading into Jerusalem for the last time. And Jesus has told them that he's going in to suffer and die. And somehow they just don't get it. They don't believe it. And so, the mother of James and John comes to, to Jesus. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on the right and one on the left. Jesus answered her by saying, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. And Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand or on my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together. And he said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over other people. And officials flaunt their authority over those over them, under them. 
but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. May God add his understanding. So these two boys hide behind their mother's apron as the mother's mother goes forth and makes a special request. Not that, not that we've heard of this kind of thing before. Not that we've heard about parents trying to intervene on behalf of their kids to get into places like USC or Harvard or anything like that. This is so common. It is so normal. It's so, it's so regular. It's so much a part of life. And how much we, we love our kids and we want them to do well. And it is nevertheless rooted in a, a whole set of values that are a little on the upside downside, if not very much on the upside downside. And, and Jesus, when he says, I've come not to be served, but to serve, when he says that those of you who would be great must be the least, we don't get that. He says these things to his disciples and they go into Jerusalem together and they're still waiting and watching for Jesus to set up a first century state of Israel. And the mother literally believes, even though he has just told them, literally believes, well that's all just talk. I want my sons to be in a place of honor and glory. And, and that is so common. It's so ordinary. And the reality is that for God's children, is there anything we won't do? Is there any work that we are above? Jesus, when he washed the disciples' feet just a few days later, assumed the position of a servant and the position that he assumed was that ordinarily taken by the very least, oftentimes a Down syndrome person or somebody who was otherwise likewise handicapped. Jesus assumed that role, that position. But the values of the kingdom are, are such that we need to practice them, we need to discern them, we need to discipline ourselves to understand them. Several verses, I want to just run through these with you, because we've heard them all before, but we just need reminding. For what will it profit man, a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let the little, little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. If you would be perfect, go, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Labor is in the vineyard. The kingdom of heaven is where the last will be first and the first will be last. We know this. We've heard it a hundred times if we've been to church ten times. But somehow still we get these values upside down. 
Sometimes still we think that this is really all about acquiring position and title. That's what these two boys want, or the mother wants them for the, for the boys. Position and a title. And frankly, if that's all there is, it's a little sad. If one doesn't have the personal substance, apart from <laughs> titles or position, it's a little sad. I was at a gathering for a small college up in New York yesterday and was talking away with one gentleman and he was telling me how his wife has started seminary and telling me about some of the books that he had read, how he's reading Eugene Peterson and, and uh, how much he thinks of him and what have I been reading and, and going on and on and had a nice long conversation and at some point he referenced, well, in my work earlier on in the conversation, then finally I asked, well, what is your work? He said, well, I'm the president of the college. <laughs> so rather than leading with title, rather than leading with his position, he led with relationship as a person. He read, he led interested in what I had to say. Why, I don't know, but he was interested in what I might share. He was interested in my knowing about his reading and what did I think about his reading. And I thought, how, how very interesting. My experience in Naples is so often the case that you know a person for a long time until you have, find out, oh my goodness, that person was that? Same thing happened with another gentleman last night. I was talking with him and his wife on and on and on. Turns out he was a founder of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> so refreshing. But Jesus, in his entrance into Jerusalem, was explicit and clear. This is not about acquiring a position or a title. This is not about overthrowing Herod and, and the Roman Empire. This is about going in, serving, suffering, even to the point of death. So he says, are you willing to drink from that cup? Perhaps when they said, yes, we're able. Again, it referenced the fact that they just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. So the, the values that constitute the values of the church, that constitute that, that, that check in our lives, that, that core reminder that we are not to be lording over other people. We are all of us in whatever position we might have, we're always to be in a place of service. So these young men come, and they want that stuff. They want that position. They want the authority. <coughs> Theologian Lewis Smedes says that the three, there are three great, great temptations in life that track us through the years of our lives. When we're young, it's sex. In the middle years, it's ambition. In the later years, it's temptation to bitterness. 
And if that is the ferment in a human heart, it's perhaps because they weren't able, that person wasn't able to achieve their dreams. So who of us has? Who of us has met all of our hopes and dreams? When we were 20 years old, we thought life was a linear, linear project, uh, progression. It was always getting better and brighter and everything was going to go so well. And then life happens. And we realize that so much of what we want in life, that which we wanted to achieve and that which we wanted to accomplish, it has excluded us, or has, has, we have not been able to accomplish that. And so we rely on something that we did do in the past. We rely on those props, that, that place, that accomplishment, that moment. And in so doing, we can become bitter, harmful to ourselves, and lose our humility in relationship with one another. So instead, we are to move into this life, move through this life, grasp this life in such a way as to understand that the, that the values, the core values that are really operative for all of God's children are such that all of those drives, ambitions, etc. are all good. That's all part of what was planted in us by God when he created the universe. All of that stuff that is that, that fire within, but ultimately the, the real fire within. It's not that we achieve something here, but that we, we have that place that is our, our final home. We have that place that is our final destination. C.S. Lewis puts it in a profound way. Says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud, mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased with the ambitions and drives of this life. We are too easily satisfied, too easily pleased. And that satisfaction or that pleasure drains away. We find ourselves still empty, still longing, and still hoping. Last night I was with one of my dear so-called atheist friends. I call him a lousy atheist because he's too good a guy. And uh, Andy and I, for about seven years, were sharing breakfast together once a week. And was with another gentleman whom we lost. And I will never forget the look in Ken's eyes 
when I went to visit him in hospice two days before he passed. For he had done the atheist thing with respect to all the arguments, and we've heard them all. They're tired, they're old. I read one just this week in the LA Times from some professor in California, and it's just dumb. Same old stuff. And, and I heard all of this from him. But what I, what I, when I put him into checkmate in all the arguments is when I stopped arguing and started asking questions. And I put him into checkmate by saying, Ken, how do you know? How do you know Gail loves you? How do you know this beautiful, wonderful wife of yours loves you? You can't prove it. You can't demonstrate it. You can show some evidences, but there's no closing the loop on love. And I had him. Nailed him. Cornered him. And I let him squirm. <laughs> but then when I walked in to see him, I saw his eyes when I walked in, not because it was me, but because of what I represent. Because I embodied something to him that was something that was not known. Something beyond that which he could see. Something beyond that which he could prove, that which he could demonstrate, that which he could put into a test tube and pull out and replicate. I represented something to him that was the fulfillment of his deepest longings. And in that moment, I knew Ken was okay. I knew that somehow, some way, the Lord had touched his heart and given him a sense of full, fullness and hope and a future beyond the next two days. So if we know that all of our ambitions, all of our longings, all of our desires, all of those drives, all of that, ultimately point beyond themselves to something far greater, far deeper. And that we not allow ourselves to be too easily satisfied, but that we walk in that way of servanthood. We walk in that life of humility and thereby track where our, our Lord's bleeding feet have trod. Living for Him. Will you join me in prayer? And Lord, we know it's true. We know from the many instances in our lives where our ambitions, our desires, our hopes and dreams were fulfilled and how is it we continue to hope and dream. How is it, O oh Lord, that you continue to give us a vision not just for this life, but this life extended on into the life that is to come. Lord, when your son declared that he went to suffer and to die, he also said that he would raise, be raised again on the third day. 
in him, all of our longings, all of our desires are met. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.